Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Here we go again. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. We are on episode 36. I am Kyle Faulkner, and joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, how are you doing this week, buddy? I'm fantastic, man. It's the eve of the Major League Baseball season. Uh, opening days tomorrow. It's a full slate of baseball games. It's uh, my favorite day of the year, so I'm in a great mood. And, uh, you know, tons to talk about in the NFL as well. There's, you know, free agency happening. There's draft news. There's all kinds of trades. So we're going to cover all kinds of stuff on the episode. Uh, like you said, it's number 36 here. So uh, I'm going to ask the jersey question one more time, man. What jersey would you take if uh, you could wear number 36? Would it be a Rashid Wallace? Uh, Ole Jokinen, Brian Westbrook, Lawyer Malloy, Sean Taylor in his rookie year, or I think I know the answer to this one. It's pretty easy, but uh, the bus, Jerome Bettis. Which one would you go with? Oh, yeah, there's no question. I could have stopped you as soon as you said number 36. Bettis all the way, the bus, like just, uh, just a legend, especially as a big man seeing a guy that size who could move like that. You know, it was so uh, so awesome having him as part of the Steelers when I was when I was in my uh, you know early to mid years of fandom. So awesome to see him at the end of his career uh, get the ultimate prize. Just uh, just a class act all the way around. Yeah, no doubt about it. I've, I actually own a, a Jerome Bettis jersey, and uh, yeah, it was a no choice or no brainer for me. I do love the thought though of Sean Taylor, who was a phenom. You know, wearing thirty six his rookie year, and then. After that season, going up to the coaches and management saying, yeah, you know what, I think I'm going to switch numbers. And I'm going, yes, yes, Sean, whatever you would like. <laughs> yes, sir. He, he was a phenom, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but the bus for sure, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, he's, uh, there's some good names on this list, right? Ole Okunen, he uh, he had a pretty good career in the NHL there. Rasheed Wallace, uh, even Westbrook. But, yeah, there's no, as a Steelers fan and even as not a Steelers fan, I think there's no question on that one. All right, so we got a quick question to get started here today, Jeff. And uh, off air, you you said you were quite interested because it actually affects a player that's on your uh, on your dynasty roster. So Bruce Arians today, uh, you know, hot off the hot off the needle. I don't know if you saw his his Super Bowl tattoo that he ended up getting. I did, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but it's like, uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy now. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in the he's in the cool club, but. Uh, Anyways, he came out today and he said that uh, next year in 2021, second year running back Keyshawn Vaughn is going to have a breakout year. That was his prediction. That was the head coach speaking. Uh, Now Tampa Bay also has Ronald Jones and they just recently re-signed Leonard Fournette. So they're bringing the whole gang back. So here's what I want from you. Rank the Tampa Bay running backs in the order they should be drafted this season. Now, do I have to do this as as the guy that is not trying to trade Keyshawn Vaughn currently and with no bias whatsoever? This is this is a show about honesty and integrity. You know us. We're all just right, professionals. All right. I had so. to clear the air. Okay. So um, I think I'm taking Rojo. Man. Um, yeah, Rojo. I want to say Vaughn. Then Fournette, but I just, it's its like the, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and the devil is just like screaming. Um, no, I think it's still, it's pretty, it's Rojo, Fournette, and Vaughn, but I do like that they're talking about the kid. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, with with Fournette coming in, he kind of disappeared this year where uh, when he was drafted, there was a lot of talk as to whether Jones would even hold on to the job or whether Vaughn would step in and and become kind of a full-time guy eventually. Um, It's a tough one. Like, I know I could could hear you struggling. I wasn't sure if we got disconnected there for a minute. You kind of sounded like Jim Carrey in Liar, Liar (laughs) when he's trying to talk about the pen and his mouth just won't let him say it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, I feel like what you're saying is right. Rojo, Fournette, and then Vaughn, but there's a big part of me that actually thinks Fournette should be the first guy to go. And then if you think, if you think that way, I guess Jones next and Vaughn, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if late in the season you saw Keyshawn Vaughn, um, you know, becoming kind of a you know, a standalone fantasy player, really. See, the way I, I kind of struggle with it as well, because if Rojo is not one to me, I think he's number three. I think if he's not the top dog, he's going to be like bottom of the, I don't know, again, it's probably just the... It's tough. But we're we're going to talk about this later too, because it's a 17-game season next year, and I think all th- three of these guys are going to eat because we're going to see the, the you know teams change the way they utilize their running back and the guys, the wear and tear they're going to take over the season, especially teams like Tampa Bay who are built for long playoff runs. They're going to, you know, try to keep these guys fresh. So uh, this, this could be one of those running back, you know, fantasy wise, one of those running back situations to avoid altogether, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And that might be the most honest answer is if you're going to draft any of these guys, it should be in a, you know, in a later single digit or early double digit round. And really you're drafting them with the hopes that one of them emerges or maybe that there's injury or game management uh, situations where one of them gets the majority of the workload. So I don't think, I don't think any of those three guys you'd feel good about week one or week two throwing them in your in your lineup. All right. Well, like you said, we got a lot to get to. We actually had some action in the league. So what do you say we hop right into the fantasy news? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing. And listen. Oh, man. Speaking of fantasy, this is like fantasy football trading all over the place. I thought I was getting a group text from the LOEG here. So San Francisco, they they traded away their 12th overall pick in this year's draft and a third rounder in this year's draft and their first rounder next year and their first rounder in 2023 they traded all that to the Miami Dolphins to get Miami's third overall pick this year so you know they moved up 9 spots and uh all of a sudden if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo there are alarm bells going off on either side of my helmet right now uh what do you think is he is he done with the Niners uh there's a lot of talk lately about Mac Jones from Alabama but at number three overall you know it could be Zach Wilson could be Justin Fields um maybe Trey Lance there's lots of good quarterbacks in this year uh in this year's draft what do you think are they going to bring in a new a new uh person under center I think so I mean with what they gave up for the in the the trade that it must be for a quarterback you don't move that kind of it's not Herschel Walker years, but this one is, I mean, they, they had said that, you know, management agreed to make the trade and keep Jimmy G on. So it sounds like that maybe he's going to start the year and then wait for the kid to overtake him. But uh, yeah, I mean, the writing's been on the wall for Jimmy Garoppolo for, you know, all off season. It seems like there's been rumors of him getting traded back to the Patriots or elsewhere. So uh, I don't know if this kind of starts that and, and quickens or, you know, speeds up that process or what happens here, but I definitely say they draft a quarterback. And it's so funny because, you know, after it happened, 
every expert was on social media and they're like, I know they want Mac Jones. And then the next guy's like, for sure, it's Trey Lance. No oh, doubt yeah. about it. Justin Fields is going. So, uh, you know, this is my favorite time of year. We got a whole month, all of April, basically to, to speculate on who's going where, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's it. Everybody's got to take, and you want to make a bold stance so that if it comes true, you can pipe up and say, see, 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 I told you I'm an insider now. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I could see them bringing in a young guy. I know there's rumors of them bringing someone in and sitting them for a year the way that the Chiefs did with Mahomes. Um, I don't know. That's not, you know, we don't really see that lately, but at the same time, too, We've seen a lot of the uh, quarterbacks that teams traded up for are on the way out of their team this year, only a few years later, right? But uh, anyways, after that after that trade went down, uh, Miami, you know, they weren't done. They turned around. They took that 12th overall pick, um, another later round pick from this year, and then uh, their own first rounder from next year, and they took all that, sent it to Philadelphia. So they got Philadelphia's sixth overall pick, um, so really at the end of the day, what happened is San Francisco moved up nine picks, Miami moved back three picks and they got an extra first rounder and an extra third rounder and Philly moved back six spots. They moved from number six to number 12 overall. Um, and they got an extra first rounder in next year's draft. So, you know, pretty interesting. It looks like, it looks like Philly that, you know, kind of confirms that they are committed to Hertz. Um, they've still got top half of the first round talent coming this year and then an extra first rounder for next year to, to kind of build up their talent pool. Um, and for Miami, pack, picking at six overall, there's a lot of good pass catchers available. Um, it sounds like they're comfortable with Tua and uh, they could be looking to add an offensive weapon. Yeah, I mean, people have kind of been you know ragging on Miami here, but you look at their drafts the next three years, and they're pretty stacked. So they're building this team the right way, and you know, some people aren't sold on Tua, and maybe he's not the answer, but he's gonna have you know a lot of new faces around him this year and the coming years. So uh, you know, they're building that team right, and if he is the answer, it's gonna be a pretty good squad. That division is gonna be a lot of fun this year. Um, and Philadelphia, I think they have 11 picks this year. So, I mean, a team that was a hot mess last year is uh, is going to get some new blood in there as well. So, hopefully they put some weapons around Hurts and give him a chance to succeed. Yeah, I saw um, something. You know, I saw with- some, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I saw something like the Dolphins, when they picked up Laramie Tunsil, you know, with his draft day disaster, right? The gas mask, uh, the gas mask photo that was That's leaked right. on draft night. They picked him up way later in the draft than he should have gone, and after trading him away, it sounds like they've now turned him into, I think it was four first-round picks that they ultimately have gotten from that deal. Pretty good. Well, I mean, yeah, hot tip. Pretty good, exactly, yeah. Uh, well, this offseason's also been, you know, pretty unique as far as, as contracts going to free agents. We've seen a lot of receivers take one-year deals and kind of settle for, uh, uh, you know, a lower-than-expected contract to uh, reach free agency next year. But uh, that's not the case in Seattle. They locked up one of their best receivers, uh, Tyler Lockett, for another four years. Uh, $69 million, 37 which is guaranteed. And, uh, you know, as you know, the guy that rostered Tyler Lockett all last year, you must be uh, pretty happy he's going to be with Russ for at least another season anyways. Well, you know what? It's uh, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's about as good of a situation uh, as I think it can be. It's, we'll see how the Seattle offense shapes up down the stretch. Uh, you know, going into this season, but uh, he's got the talent and he's got a good quarterback, and he got paid, so now it's time to produce. And uh, you know, side note: if anybody's interested in a top ten wide receiver who just got paid, 
Give me a call. Was he in the top ten? Well, you're going to find out later on, buddy. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, though, this is uh, this offseason with the cap going down, this has largely been a year of uh, one-year contracts. You know, Tyler Lockett and uh, Kenny Galladay, kind of the exceptions. Um, and even though the free agent frenzy is kind of over, there's you know there's still a couple uh, still a couple of players sniffing around and still some guys uh, joining teams. So Willie Sneed, he's going over to the Raiders for one year. Mohamed Sanu, he's going to the 49ers for a year. And Sammy Watkins, he's uh, you know just disgusted with the Chiefs' loss. They're losing effort in the Super Bowl, and he's gone over to join the Baltimore Ravens. So the Ravens, they couldn't get Juju, and they they settled for the poor man's Juju. They went for Slam and Sammy instead. Slam and yeah. four four weeks of Sammy Watkins. I mean, this guy's he's got the talents. He just can't stay on the field and. You know, I don't know. It's he's the most intriguing of the three guys that you just announced. I would say just because of the the opportunity in Baltimore and their need for kind of an alpha receiver. But uh, I still I don't trust that passing game whatsoever. Really? See, I actually thought Mohamed Sanu was the most intriguing of those, uh, even though he's not going to you know quite the same kind of offense as Baltimore has. He's shown that he can be a good supported player. He's got good hands. Um, and, uh, you know, with that team getting healthy, you know, don't forget they were in a Super Bowl just two years ago. So, uh, he could be a piece that, you know, just based on volume, he could, he could get some points for you. Really? Eh? You think so? Cause I mean, Ayuk and Debo and if Kittle's back and the way they like to run the ball, I mean, I think it basically, he needs an injury to have an impact fantasy wise. Yeah. Oh, maybe well, I, almost, I almost said something, but I'm not going to. It's too early. Do for it. That. Nope. <laughs> Sandwich bet. The next yeah. day. The next day. <laughs> Mohamed Sanu's been released by yeah. the 49ers. Yeah. Nope. Um, so, some news out of uh, Washington as well. You know, they, they made the uh, the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick in the most exciting QB battle in the world with Tyler, Tyler Haneke. And, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be, you know, all the talk of the town in Washington. But now there's a rumor that they may consider drafting a quarterback as well this year to, to add to that. So. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm super excited about this team and what they can do. I love the, the skill position players they have. I love their young defense. And uh, obviously quarterback is the most crucial position. But, um, yeah, it sounds like they're going to have quite the battle there. Yeah, I hope not, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I guess it all depends. And I don't know the context that this was said. And it could have been a question of, oh, you're looking to draft a quarterback. And they said, well, we'll see what's available. And then, you know, some reporter takes that and says, they might draft a quarterback this year. Uh, at 19th overall, you know, there's still going to be great players available. But you've got you've to look and see where can you best help your team. Can you get, you know, a blue chip offensive lineman? Can you add to that defense with another young piece? Um, you know they've got they've got a running back of the future. They've got two, uh, you know, two talented wide receivers and a, and a good pass catching tight end. I don't know if Fitzpatrick can can show what he showed when he was on the field with Miami, but uh, it'd be good to give him a chance. And I think that's a better way to let your young weapons grow rather than, you know, getting a guy late in the first round who, you know, may or may not turn out to be a quarterback, um, but mixing it up and, and kind of scrapping your year. So we'll see what happens anyways. 
Uh, this is big news for us, buddy. All our prayers have been answered. You know, James <laughs> Conner is gone, and the Steelers have filled in that blank spot on the depth chart. Kalen Balazs is coming to the Steelers on a one-year deal. Are we going to be in a position where he touches the ball ten times in a game this year? Well, uh, I'll tell you what, is it a coincidence that episode 36, where we're praising the bus, is the same episode we're talking about the Steelers signing, Kalen? Well, I don't think it is at all. I'm not making that connection. I mean, the guy is 6'2", 230 pounds, so he's not easy to take down. He shouldn't be anyways, but uh, yeah, obviously the Steelers had the worst running game in the NFL last year. There's a lot of needs there as far as O-line and, and running backs, and uh, yeah, this guy is a guy that hopefully he's a you know, never sees the field. <laughs> I mean, yeah. either that or hopefully, I mean, because there's, he always seems to get a chance because he's so big, right? So maybe he puts it together. He didn't I don't look, know. It's, he it's didn't look weird that saying. bad. He didn't look that bad this year in uh, Los Angeles. In his yeah, but very, he didn't look like, limited I, play. what was he drafted? Do you remember where he was taken? Was he a first round pick? Uh, I can look that Burner. up really quickly. I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, I was going to say, it's funny because, you know, I'm talking about him, him being a big running back, 6'2", 230 pounds. I'm probably 6'2", 230 pounds <laughs> if uh, I was out there. <laughs> yeah, that's basically, that's probably exactly what. Yeah, the same are. thing. What's the yeah. difference? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he was drafted 131st overall. So not a high, oh, okay. not a high draft guy. Somebody else then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Again, I stand by my you're hope think, he never You're thinking of Zeke. You're thinking of Zeke, I think. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I get those two confused wow. all the time. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. Well, it's a depth piece, right? It's, so, yeah. It's another body. It, yeah. And hopefully some of that falls forward for three yards. Anyways, uh, the uh, the champions, they, you know, they, they're bringing back everybody. I don't know if you saw this. And it's not uh, it's written out in the notes, but the all 22 starters are, are coming back to the, you know, run it back with Tampa Bay. And uh, another guy who was part of the equation early last year until he went down is O.J. Howard. Uh you know, he's a pretty dynamic tight end. He kind of had a rocky road there last year. He, you know, there's one point where he asked for a trade out of town, and they said, uh, no, we're not going to do that. And he's like, <laughs> all right, yeah, I'll stay. And now he has a ring. So it worked out pretty good. But, uh, you know, when he went down, Gronk kind of took off. So mm-hmm. if he's back and healthy, what do you think this does for Gronk's fantasy appeal? Well, I think that that's I think that that's a good thing to think about, right? Um, a lot of people are going to be excited about what uh, what Gronk showed down the second half of the season, um, and especially with you know recency bias is a thing. You see what guys do in the playoffs, you see what guys do in the Super Bowl, and it it totally shifts your thinking going to the draft. And obviously, he was a big producer, right? Two touchdowns in the Super Bowl last year. But uh, you know, it's really it's really tough to say. Would would Gronk have had the the kind of mini breakout that he had um, if all the other tight end pieces were healthy? Because don't forget that there's also Cameron Brait in the equation. Um, and for a long time, people were already upset because OJ Howard was supposed to be this breakout young tight end, and Brait was stepping all over him, and they were splitting touchdowns and splitting yards, and each guy would end up with 400 yards and four touchdowns. And then now you throw Gronk into the mix. I think it's going to be a case of, you know, you could, if you're taking a chance, it's definitely on Gronk. But uh, I wouldn't really expect too much unless the opportunity arises for one of them to be on the field all the time. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. I think, I mean, Gronk's more, you know, he's built for the playoffs. So it could be a case where they manage his reps until the, when it matters. 
Yeah, like they're they're just they're running it back. That's it. They brought everybody back. It's the first uh, it's the first team since the salary cap era. So since what whatever that was ninety three ninety four, uh, it's the first team to bring back all twenty two offensive and defensive starters. And uh, you know they've got guys restructuring. They've got guys taking uh, a slight discount. Um, the one big name, not officially a starter, but the one big name that's kind of outstanding is Antonio Brown, but it sounds like they're in kind of peaceful negotiations and he wants to be there. He wants to be a part of the team and he wants to, wants to run it back again. So, um, yeah, you know, they're, they've got to be, they've got to be right up there with the favorites to do it again this year. So we'll see what happened. Um, kind of a, you know, a name to talk about, but not really one to pay too much attention to. Uh, until you're taking your flyer picks is uh, Greg Ward you know he came on strong for a little while this year with the Eagles they were a hot mess Um, he's back with the team it sounds like they're excited you know to see the the uh, rapport that he can build up with Hertz there so you know if you're looking for a late round a late round guy with uh, with volume opportunity and uh, some upside Greg Ward you know he showed that he could be showed that he could be a usable receiver in the league yeah, for sure. I mean, I, this guy's, uh, you know, as a Miles Sanders, you know, he was on my roster all last year, and I kind of tuned into Eagles games more than I would have liked. But um, he he showed flashes of potential for sure. Every time I watch the Eagles, he stands out. Uh, you know, at least one or two plays. So I'm not saying he's you know the end all be all, but he could definitely be you know one of these kind of slot volume you know five catch guys where they kind of just put up you know a nice floor for you with you have a plug and play for bye weeks or something next year for sure. Hmm. Um. You know, I mentioned this a little earlier in the news here, but the NFL has made it official. They're going to 17-game regular season, and uh, it's exciting for fantasy fans. It's exciting for all NFL fans, but it's not super exciting if you're a player. And some of the you know, big names like Kamara and Aaron Rodgers have spoke out about their displeasure with this announcement. But uh, I don't know. This one's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to see kind of the – I kind of hinted at that we're going to see – the. You know, teams change the way they use players and manage their reps and practice weeks. And I think this could, you know, it seems like a minor thing, only one game, but it's it's quite a bit. Well, it is like one one game is, uh, you know, it's taxing, especially when you're adding adding one on before the playoffs. Um, you know, you're gonna have exactly what you say. Teams that are in a good position, they're gonna be looking ahead and. Uh, you know, we saw even this past year where um, <clears throat> the playoff structure changed and the and the buy opportunities changed, that uh, more teams were comfortable with where they were and ended up resting players late in the season. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I saw a funny little meme that now because there's a 17th game, officially the Patriots will remain forever the only team to finish 16 and 0 in the regular season. Um, but, uh, you know, it means something for fantasy, too, because we've had a 17-week season forever or for, you know, a long time. Um, but most leagues are done week 16 to avoid having the risk of your stars not playing. Uh, do you think that we see the, the kind of standard format go to uh, an extra week this year? Or do you think that most leagues are going to kind of play it safe and just keep it as it is until we see how this looks? Well, it's funny because, you know, as a commissioner, I've been tossing and thinking about this idea for quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I drove for 10 hours the last two days. I thought about it a lot. So, um, you know, our league's kind of set up perfectly where we have 14 teams and, you know, you play 
everybody wants, and then it's the playoffs, week 14, 15, 16. But it also kind of sucks if you have two weeks now, especially one week if everybody's there, right? Like, you know, like you said, you know, usually you see a lot of guys benched and it's hard to gauge when, you know, on championship week that that week. But uh, now that there's a buffer there, I think, like, I don't want to waste that opportunity and I can maybe extend the schedule, but I don't know how that would affect. There's like, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of trickle down and, and I don't know if we'd have to go to divisions or what would have to happen is to make it work. Yeah. Well, a lot of, you know, every commissioner is going to be in the same, same situation you are. So maybe if anybody's got an idea or got something that their own, uh, their own home league is doing, maybe uh, throw us an email and send your idea and we'll, we'll talk about whether it's a good one or not. Uh, real quick before we go, this isn't quite NFL news yet, but soon to be. Uh, we got some rookie news. We got a rookie watch going. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no official combine, but schools are running their pro days, and uh, and a lot of the top prospects are kind of showing what they got. So uh, Justin Fields at Ohio State's pro day, he ran the second fastest forty time for a quarterback ever. He ran it in four point four four seconds. The only one to ever go faster was RG3. He ran in 4.41, so pretty exciting. And I don't know uh, if you caught any of the throws that he made, but there is one where he's like rolling out and throws cross body, and it's like 60 air yards and just dropped a dime for the guy. Now, you know, no defense, no equipment, no pads, nothing. But, uh, you know, pretty excited to see what this guy could do and see where he ends up this year. <clears throat> oh man, it's just it's. I, I just think about these kids and the pressure this time of year. Like you, gotta, you gotta keep your nose cleaned and keep just. It's just. Well, let's see how fast you can run a straight line. And it's the people put so much into the you know the, the combine warriors and then, I don't know. I don't put a lot into it, and I feel like the Steelers don't put a lot into it either. I know we don't want to talk about it too much, but like you know you you see them draft guys and it kind of teams or experts will scratch their head, but they say, oh, this guy's a Steeler guy. He's a Steeler Steeler player, and it's. Yeah, you know, well, not every, the, the combine numbers that jump out. Every team has what they're looking for, uh, but you know what? There, there is truth to it for sure. Like as a guy who's as a guy who's trained for and gone through combine testing, um, you know, I can tell you that it is. You train. There's a point when you're coming up to it where you just train specifically for what you're going to be doing. Right? You build up your two twenty five bench press reps. You work on your 40 takeoff. You work on your cone drill footwork because the footwork can shave half a second off. Um, and and it shows, you know, there's things you can take from it. You can take, you know, how hard a guy might work or, or how dedicated he is. But I don't remember in all the years I played football, I don't remember having to, uh, you know, run side to side in a 15-yard pattern back and forth. I don't remember having to run 40 yards in a straight line with nobody in front of me. I don't remember laying on the ground and having a guy on top of me and having to repeatedly press him off of me and back down over and over again, right? So not not necessarily a good indicator of what kind of player you are, but, uh, you know, it's fun to have something to talk about and, and it gives you some numbers to compare these guys. But uh, the, other big, the other big rookie um, that tested and is being talked about right now is Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. He ran just as fast. He also ran a 4.44. But uh, the thing that I've seen all over is he also measured the broadest wingspan of any wide receiver or tight end in the last 20 years coming into the NFL draft. So, you know, based on his size, like I think he's 6'5", 240, ran a 4.44, has like an 83 and a half inch wingspan. 
And, you know, on those numbers, not saying he's the same receiver, but on those numbers, people are saying the closest measurable uh, player in recent history is Megatron. Just the, the span, the size, the speed combination. Like, it's almost not fair to line this guy up at tight end. So I'm excited to see where he goes. I hope that he's not just another, uh, you know, another rookie tight end that gets hyped up and hyped up and then ends up with, like, 35 catches for 250 yards and a touchdown kind of thing but uh he looks like a special weapon so this is pretty exciting yeah he's gonna go early and he's just it's like i'm crushing hard on him already i watched highlight tapes of his from college last night and he just does everything fast and great and i've seen some mock drafts quite a few of them with him going to atlanta and you know you had him with calvin ridley and julio jones and man that'd be a fun offense to watch but uh (laughs) Yeah, you mentioned it too. I mean, don't expect too much out of rookie tight ends. It's pretty rare that they come in and, and put up numbers fantasy-wise right away. So, so it's a pretty tough position to learn in. There's a lot to it that doesn't you know, reflect fantasy points. But um, I think he's going to have an amazing career if he can stay healthy, and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> oh, sorry. Keeping you up here, are we? <laughs> uh, kind of. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, so last week we uh, – you know, we, 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 we got an intro for this. Let's go to the Falcomaniacs fan zone. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. So last week our question was, um, who is your all-time favorite fictional sports figure? And uh, we got crazy answers. You know, a lot of people couldn't limit it to one. I asked um, my wife Christine, and she gave me. I bet you 45 different answers. Every time I saw her, she said somebody that she liked more and more, and it was pretty wild. But anyways, it was a lot of fun. We got some crazy answers and uh, some fun ones and some movies I want to check out now that uh, these people have been, these characters have been named. So uh, let's go through our answers here. Um, Whammer was one of the first ones to answer, and a little story behind his. So he said, the Whammer is my all-time favorite, and he said that sarcastically. Actually, it's Ricky Vaughn, but the reason we call him (laughs) the Whammer is... Uh, me, him, and Todd were watching The Natural. Uh, we were just watching it on TV one day, and the whammer is kind of like the Babe Ruth figure. And he came up to the plate, and Matt said, the whammer, that is the dumbest nickname <laughs> I have ever heard in my life. And Todd and I just look over at each other immediately and went, well, yeah, now it's yours. And it is so perfect if you know this guy. Uh, and it's stuck ever since. So his, that's his answer. Um, Christian and Geister uh, also, or Craig, I also picked Ricky Vaughn from Major League, uh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Todd chose Willie Beeman from Any Given Sunday, uh, just a, an amazing choice, an amazing movie. And Chad went with Benny the Jet Rodriguez from The Sandlot. And my son, Andy, also picked Benny the Jet. So uh, two, two tallies for Andy, or for Benny. Well, you know what they say, right? Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. That's there right. you go. Um, yeah, and uh, we had a lot of a uh, lot of different answers. One of them that you know I wasn't quite sure. It was a little confusing when Brent sent his answer in, uh, but I'm pretty sure that he took college rugby sensation Tommy Callahan from Tommy Boy. Now you don't actually see him playing any rugby, but he is wearing a rugby jersey at the start when he collapses onto the <laughs> coffee table. And uh, when I was trying to figure it out, I actually learned a fun fact that Chris Farley really did play college rugby and that was his real jersey that he wore in the uh the opening scene there so we'll give it to he was like a stud athlete apparently yeah early 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 in his career I guess anyways 
Um, DR took uh, Roy McAvoy in Tin Cup, which that I need to go back and watch that movie. I haven't watched it in about five years, and uh, I just kept thinking about that that last hole and that last scene and just laughing. Um, <laughs> both uh, Reed and uh, Mike Bednar, they both took Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. Um, Drew, he went with a guy that I didn't actually think of, but as a kid, this was this was a big icon for me. Fulton Reed, Mr. Slapshot from the Mighty Ducks. I spent a lot of time out on our backyard rink, just hammering the puck like the you know the brooding knuckle puck, the brooding bad guy. No, not knuckle puck. <laughs> no. Oh my god, <laughs> no. Pretty good. I did obviously, a lot. I did, I did a uh, lot of knuckle pucks too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, <laughs> I think I Drew obviously is tuning into the new series of the Mighty Ducks. He's pretty happy about it. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. I haven't checked it out, but that's pretty cool. I uh, did see the trailer. Uh, Steve Henning he wrote in and he said this is not an opinion. He said this is a straight fact. Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. That is the greatest fictional sports figure of all time. And uh, he kind of made the case that, you know, he defeated and killed Rocky's longtime competitor, friend, trainer, supporter. And by the end of it, he and Rocky were friends. So, you know, pretty good. If he dies, he dies. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we didn't get I a response. Break you. Yeah, exactly. We didn't get a response from Marty, but uh, you know you you know him pretty well, old Martz, and you you know him well enough to assume that his choice is Teen Wolf. Now I have to ask: okay. Is this Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf or Jason Bateman Teen Wolf? Uh, do you have to ask that for real? Well, I don't know. Marty's not. It guy. is. It... <laughs> I could see him being Marty McFly. I could see him saying. I could see him saying Teen Wolf Two is highly superior. Um, and, uh, a, <laughs> and a real, uh, I couldn't see him saying that at all, by the way. Uh, I, and a real late edition, uh, while we're recording, actually Tyler came in and he threw a shout out to another, another Mighty Ducks, uh, star, the cake eater himself, Adam Banks, number 99, Ooh, number 99. That's right. Um, but, uh, what about uh, us here? We, we had to narrow it down. We had about, you know, 75 choices last week. What did you end up with? Lou. Brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, uh, you know what? I probably could have guessed that, I guess. That's a good one. I was hoping you were going to say, who's Lou Brown? But, no. uh, yeah, that's the quote from the movie. But, uh, yeah, he's my all-time. Anything he says. I wanted to choose Harry Doyle, but I didn't figure. <laughs> I thought that was a stretch, so I went with Lou Brown. Let me get back to you. I got a uh, guy on the other line about four set of white walls. <laughs> you're not going to let her get you down, are you? <laughs> oh, don't get me going, buddy. I'll be screaming and waking up the family here. Well, you know, we... How about you? Who'd you pick? Well, there's so many athletes to choose from. It was hard. Like, do you go with a funny? Do you go with an inspirational? Do you go with a real cool? Uh, I I went for somebody that no matter what can get you fired up. You you never get tired of listening. You never... There's no character flaw for this person at all. And that is the trainer, Mickey, from the movie Rocky. There were just too many amazing choices, but you know what? If you're having a down day, I dare you to listen to Burgess Meredith, give a speech, get you pumped up, and you will leave. You'll take your headphones off, and you'll be ready to eat lightning and crap thunder. Oh, man. I 
loved the Rocky movies as a kid. Rocky was almost my choice for this. And Mick was, oh, man, what a great character and what a great actor for sure. That's an amazing choice. And I actually, breaking news here, I changed my choice. Ooh. I just thought of this as you were speaking. And no doubt about it, Frank Dukes is my number one all-time favorite. Oh, well, I guess if you want to have a number one and one B, I guess that's fair. Oh well, we can't sit here talking about we can't sit here talking about these guys all night. But uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in. It's awesome when we get the feedback. And just you know, last week we got the video game feedback, and it it got me all fired up to check out some nostalgia games. And this week, it just like you, it gave me a list of movies I need to go back and rewatch because uh, you know even the very first one there, like. Is there a better sports movie scene than the home run in the nat in the natural? The lights just going. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to business here, buddy. We got some real football to talk about. We are, uh, you know, we're partway through our series, looking back on uh, the 2020 season, and uh, we're on to a new position this week. We are gonna be uh, checking out the year in review for the top 10 wide receivers. Alright, run out and hook in. Run out and hook in. Show these people how to play football. My form is perfect. I'm like Jerry Rice. Man, wide receiver is so bananas. You look at this, and we'll go through the top 10 today, but like we can go through the top 30 and be excited about all of them. It's just such a deep position, and every year there's new names, new exciting uh you guys coming out of nowhere and putting up huge numbers and you know we can expect the same next year so uh the top 10 there's not a ton of surprises where the top 10 goes other than you know mike thomas not being here because of injury but um yeah let's go through it with number one Devonte adams i mean this, this is no surprise to anybody i'm sure 115 catches 1374 yards 18 touchdowns 300 fantasy points it's just it's absolutely disgusting and this guy missed time uh yeah right there between week two and week six so he i mean it's it's insane the amount of uh, you know the, the the rapport he has with Aaron Rodgers and you know they don't have a second we've talked about this for years they need to draft somebody to help Adams defenses know he's going to number seventeen and it doesn't stop him from producing he just does it all the time including championship week this year with eleven catches one hundred forty two yards and three touchdowns just an absolute stud yeah no kidding like he he was actually on my squad uh, in a league that I won last year. And to see him jump up, you know, like we've talked about, it, if you had the Rogers Adams connection, you were on fire. Uh, they were unstoppable almost the whole year. So it's just, just gross, you know. Leave some fun for the rest of us. Eighteen touchdowns, holy ball hog. Um, number two this year, Tyreek Hill, Cheetah. Um, you know, this is a guy who the narrative around him is always that he's boomer bust, boomer bust, but he was actually pretty consistent this year. He had uh, 87 receptions, uh, 1,276 yards, and 15 touchdowns. So he finished just behind Adams. He had a total of two 289 fantasy points in our in our scoring system. Um, but all season, he just kind of he just kind of gave you good performances. He only had one game uh, with single digit points. Uh, he had a handful of games that were over 20 points. And don't forget about uh, the game against Tampa Bay where he went, I think, what was it, in the first 45 seconds of the game or something. He had 13 catches for 269 and 3 <laughs> and ended up with 51 fantasy points. So uh, pretty pretty huge performance against Tampa Bay. It's just too bad he didn't do that in February. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. Man, wow. I'm going to miss having Tyreek. I had the Mahomes 
Tyreek stack in our league last year, and it was a lot of fun, especially that first quarter against Tampa Bay. And, uh, you know, with contracts in our league, he is no longer on my roster, and he's in the draft, and I'm sure he's going to go very, very early, and I'm going to hate watching him again. So that's uh, <laughs> boo-hoo for me. But anyways, let's go to number three here. Um, you know, this guy is is – as you know, people were skeptical about him coming into the year last year because you know he's switching teams, he's going to Buffalo. Not you know, Josh Allen hadn't shown what he was going to be, and uh, people weren't very high on him. But Stephon Diggs came into town and kind of changed the whole. I mean, he changed the franchise really. He kind of brought a winning winning culture in right away. You can see confidence immediately in the whole offense, especially in number seventeen, Josh Allen. So uh, you know, Stephon Diggs had a huge year with one hundred twenty-seven catches, fifty. 1,835 yards. He only had eight touchdowns, but, uh, you know, they're kind of a crapshoot. 266 points in our league. And, um, yeah, man, just like once Josh Allen realized what he had, he just fed this guy all season long. Uh, another fantasy championship winner. He had nine catches for 145 yards and three touchdowns in week 16. And uh, I just think this is going to be a relationship that blossoms with Allen and, and they continue to put up huge numbers together. Yeah, so the question I was kind of thinking about for this one is, um, you know, it seems likely that the touchdowns are going to go up. Like, really, he underperformed in touchdowns for the number of catches and the number of yards he had. But, uh, you know, we saw in the playoffs what happens when you take away Diggs as an option and all of a sudden um, Buffalo's offense just kind of fell apart. Allen had nowhere to go. So do you think that that's a concern for next year? Do defenses... Um, you know, just focus their energy on on stopping digs and and trying to shut the team down that way. I mean, for sure they could, and they you know there's you know they've got Gabriel Davis. They just signed Manny Sanders as you know to kind of help that. But uh, I mean, for sure teams are going to have to take away number fourteen to slow down this offense. Their run game was not great, so they, you know I would make them prove that they got they can run it before doing anything. So. I just think Diggs is so good, man. You watch him, and he makes it look so easy. He gets open all the time. I just, I mean, remember that Steelers game? We were talking, obviously, you remember uh, it kind of yep. ended. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was, they were down. It was obviously who they were going to throw to, and he still got open almost every play. Yeah, well, the first half, the first half was nothing. Like, Allen was negative fantasy points. And then, yeah, the second half, it was just like, oh, there he is again. Oh, there he is again. Oh, there he is again. And, yeah, that was, that was it. Um, Anyways, number four, we got another uh, another young face in the league, a guy who he flashed big time in his, I remember way back in his rookie season, you know, he had a couple of big blow-up games, and uh, he's just kind of steadily improved since then, and now he's he's on the verge of becoming one of the elite, elite receivers in the league if he's not there already. That's Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, he had 90 catches this year, uh, 1,374 yards and nine touchdowns, 237 fantasy points. So, you know, a bit of a drop off, um, a bit of a drop off from the top three, but he just showed himself to be a great, great receiver this year. Didn't matter if Julio was in, Julio was out, Matt Ryan looked good, Matt Ryan looked bad, no matter what, it's just like he, he got his, um, the only the only week that was kind of scary for owners was in week four where he played a full game and just gave you an absolute goose egg. I think he had five targets and no catches. And so all everybody who said, you know, he's a boomer bust, he's a flash in the pan, he's not Julio yet, you know, they all came out. But other than that, and a game and a half where he was hurt, he never dropped below double-digit points again. So what do you think? Was this... Is this kind of the peak? Is this the full breakout? Or is this just a, a taste of what's coming next year? Yeah, I'm not uh, – I don't think this is the peak. I really love this player. I think he's capable of being 
I mean, if he gets the volume, he could be the best receiver in the league as far as fantasy numbers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Julio's still there, and he's still going to get a big piece of the pie. But I really think this year Ridley takes the next step and is the alpha in, in Atlanta. And, um, yeah, I can see him being at the top of this list for a long time. Uh, the next guy is another guy that switched teams, and people weren't too sure how it was going to play out. This was kind of a shocking trade, but, uh, you know, looking back, it's kind of expected and par for the course for the Houston Texans. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins, in his first year in Arizona, he put up 115 yards, 1,407, or sorry, 115 catches, 1,407 yards with six touchdowns. Uh, he wasn't super consistent, though. You know, you look at his stats and you look back at the year, he had seven weeks over 18 points, and then he had six weeks in the single digits. And, uh, you know, some of that is the inconsistent play from Kyler Murray. You know, Kyler had that dinged up shoulder for a few weeks there where he wasn't himself and the offense struggled altogether. But, uh, you know, you look back at that Buffalo game and that play he made at the end of the game, that's the kind of the, the playmaking ability Hopkins has. He's a stud talent. I saw a tweet today. He's leading the league in receptions since 2013, since 2014, to, since 2015, since 2016, and since 2017, and since 2018. <laughs> He's just, every year he, make, he catches the ball, and, you know, you ask the question here, where do you think he is on this list in 2021? Probably very close to where he is now. Yeah, I could, he's another guy that really, uh, you know, underperformed touchdown-wise. I could see him moving up this list as hard as it is to to picture any of those four guys ahead of him being unseated. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Michael Thomas uh, with injuries and quarterback changes and whatever. He just wasn't himself this year. But uh, he's just such a good weapon. I think that Arizona is is going to figure out how to use him even more effectively um, and use him as as the scoring target that he can be. Um, I could see him going up this list for sure next year. Well, another guy that uh, I don't know. I thought early in the season I could see him going up this list, but now I'm not so sure. That's DK Metcalf. Uh, so actually our next four receivers are a couple of pairs from the same two teams. So DK, he finished at number six overall. He had 83 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, 232 fantasy points. When the Seahawks went into their bye in week six, he was far and away leading every category in receiving. He was like untouchable, especially as a fantasy receiver. Um, and I heard all over, you know, ESPN, all over NFL Network, all over different podcasts, different shows. He was being called the top dynasty asset to own. If you were starting a dynasty league, he should be the 101 because he's young and he's so talented and he's so productive. And after that bye week, he was super inconsistent, just like the rest of the Seattle passing game. Um, you just couldn't rely on him the same way. He was still productive, but like in weeks one to five, he had five touchdowns. In weeks 7 to 16, he had five touchdowns. The ability is there. The size is scary, but I just don't know. And especially now Seattle saying they want to, you know, get back to a balanced or get back to a running attack. Um, you know, we saw him disappear at times. I don't know if he's exactly what we thought the first half of last season where he's just this, you know, all-time stud that you're going to be able to trust week in, week out to, uh, you know, to win you the week. It's hard to say. I mean, uh, you can't teach the size, but he, I think he's leading the league in drops the last two years combined as well. So that's uh, that's pretty tough. And the, the book on him was he's kind of a you know only a straight route runner coming out of college. But 
I mean, he's just so exciting to watch. And I remember, yeah, the first half of the year, it seemed like every game he had like a 50-yard touchdown and he would just made defenders look silly. So um, it's really interesting. that you know, I didn't notice that until you said that. We have two pairs in the six through nine spots here. But uh, I don't think that would uh, would continue moving next year. That's got to be pretty hard to put up. I mean, and kind of a hat tip to their quarterbacks, actually. And, you know, Kirk Cousins and obviously Russell Wilson. But Kirk Cousins doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, as far as fantasy production. Uh, but I love Metcalf, man. I would trade for him in a heartbeat as far as going into next year and dynasty-wise. Dynasty uh, I'm a big, big fan, and uh, there's probably only you know a handful of receivers I'd take over him, and it's like the Penguins' hand. It's not even a human hand. So, <laughs> like, um, one of the guys I would take over him, though, is a rookie sensation, Justin Jefferson. Uh, his first year in the NFL, he put up 88 yards, 1,400 – or sorry, 88 catches. I keep doing that. 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns, 231 points. And, um, you know, this guy, I remember coming into college, people were like, well, is it his talent or is it Joe Burrow and, you know, his love of slot receivers and, the, the, you know, the offense they ran in college. But, uh, no, he, it's the real deal. They're both great, but Justin Jefferson is an amazing talent on his own. And uh, he proved it week three, and he kept proving it all season. Week three, he puts up seven catches, 175 yards and a touchdown. And uh, he finishes the season in the top 10, his first season in the NFL. No training camp again. Let's no, don't forget. And, uh, you know, another competent receiver on the other side. So just a great year and only uh, the sky's the limit for this kid, I think. Absolutely. And you're totally right about Cousins because, um, you know, he's already had a history with two productive receivers. Even before Jefferson got there, before Diggs left to go to um, Buffalo, it was Diggs and our next receiver, number eight, is Adam Thielen. Um, Thielen is a guy who he's been up around, you know, it's not a name you necessarily think of, and he's almost a bargain sometimes on draft day, but he's a guy who's been up around the top wide receivers in fantasy for the last couple of years. Um, he got back to the top 10 this year, but he did it in a much different way. Um, <clears throat> he had 74 catches for 925 yards, so not a lot of yardage, but 14 touchdowns, huge touchdown production. Um, two years ago, I don't know if you remember, a couple years ago, he had eight weeks in a row where he had 100 yards receiving um, to open the season. And this year, he only did that three times total. He only broke 100 yards three times total. But uh, yeah, those 14 touchdowns, that more than makes up for it. Um, it seems really unlikely to me that uh, that touchdown total is going to be repeated next year. Um, like I said, the Vikings, they've had a power duo. They know how to operate. This isn't a new, you know, it's not like he was the standalone and they just added a receiver. Uh, Jefferson looks so electric, um, but you know, he's young and, and we'll have to see how they balance the balance, the team next year. But what do you think are both of these guys, do they have a chance of being top 10 next year? And if not both of them, which one has a better chance of being in the top 10? I think it's double J. Justin Jefferson's got a better chance. I don't think Thielen is is. I mean, he had a great year, and like you said, but 14 touchdowns is the reason he's in the top 10. Uh, 74 catches. You look at, you know, most of the guys on this list. It's not near what they did. He doesn't get over a thousand yards. He's pretty banged up. I think he's kind of on the decline, and touchdowns saved him this year. Um, I'm not super confident in him going forward, uh, but I love Jefferson. How about you? Which one do you do? You think they'll both be in the top 10 again? 
Uh, it would be a struggle. Um, like Thielen would have to get back to his yardage production. I think I could see him having like eight touchdowns, so almost half of what he had this year. Um, and if he's if he's not, you know, a twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yard receiver, like basically the numbers that Jefferson put up, even though he did it in a different way, uh, the numbers Jefferson put up eighty eight for fourteen hundred and seven. That's that's closer to the Adam Thielen of old, right? Twelve hundred or thirteen hundred yards and a handful of touchdowns. Uh, I think Jefferson showed enough and like you said, no training camp coming out of college, um, you know, an abbreviated um, preparation for the season and, and not really getting a full shot until later in the season. Uh, I think he'll for sure be in the top 10 and, and Thielen, he's a hard maybe. Yeah, hard maybe. Well, I mean, there's so much that could happen. They could draft Pitts or they could draft another receiver and then who knows, right? So uh, we'll obviously address this all again before the season comes and a lot closer to kickoff. But, uh, you know, number nine is a guy we talked about earlier in the episode. He got paid as far as a uh, real-life contract, and he, you know, put up numbers this year. He had 100 catches, 1,054 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, Tyler Lockett uh, is our number nine receiver on the season based on our scoring. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why. I, maybe I shouldn't be the one talking about him. You, why don't you actually take the reins on this? Talk about r- rostering Tyler Lockett and the the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs and and what it's like to have him on your team well it was it was tough man it was tough this is a guy in our league um in our league i had just acquired him last off season i uh, made an off season deal with marty to get him but he's a guy who i have uh had in the past as well and you know what when like people who have played fantasy before you know when you're past the top two or three wide receivers you're not expecting super consistency you're not you're not gonna get it right if you get a guy who's consistent he's probably consistently getting you 11 points a week right with maybe one 20 point week uh, minus the top two or three guys running backs you you're expect you're let down when they don't score for you but but wide receivers you take what you get there are weeks that they're gonna win it for you and then you hope that they just don't kill you um and with Lockett, that's kind of what you got in in uh, you know 2019, where he's got downfield ability, he's got uh, end zone ability, he's got route running ability, he's got just straight burner speed ability, he's got all the weapons, and he's got a quarterback who knows how to use him. This year, though, it was so frustrating and so tough because you saw early, just like with DK Metcalf, the first few weeks, like I think DK was number one and Lockett was number four after when they went into their bye week in terms of receiving. He had two games that were out of this world. He had a nine-catch, nine 100-yard, three-touchdown game, and then he had a 15-catch, 200-yard, three-touchdown game this year. But, you know, you look at that total stat line. So he had 1,054 yards and 10 touchdowns. So six touchdowns came just in those two weeks, plus 300 yards. So a third of his yards came in those two weeks. Two of his touchdowns came in week 17. So nobody, you know, not many leagues were playing and it didn't really help. So that kind of tells you how the rest of his season went. Uh, it was up and down and up and down. And then down the last five weeks, it was just down, 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 down. He didn't have a double digit, uh, score, but the problem is with a guy like that, you're just, you're so afraid to bench him in case next week he gets 150 and two, right? So he was a guy who, you know, 
I did manage. I had him in all three leagues I was playing in this year, and I managed to trade him in one league. Um, you know, a trade that didn't really work out for either of us because I think I got Kenyon Drake back in return. So, you know, it was kind of okay for me and not so good for the other guy. But uh, yeah, it was it was painful because he's a guy who could be the number one wide receiver on the week or the number fifty one wide receiver on the week, and unfortunately this year. He, uh, he kind of used up all his turbo a little too early. Tell you what, I'll give you a Keyshawn Vaughn for him. Tempting. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to have a breakout. That sounds uh, good. You... <laughs> exactly. That's a guarantee from the coach. <laughs> number 10 is, uh, you know, I'm going to take this and run if you don't mind. It's number, uh, it's A.J. Brown, man. This is 70 catches, 1,073 yards, 11 touchdowns, 214 points. This guy is a freaking monster. Um, he got hurt in week one and was told the season was going to be over. Instead, he came back, and week five was just dominant. He's going, you know, he's just, uh, this guy's an um, absolute beast, and he's my favorite receiver in the league right now. And I think as far as ceiling, now that Corey Davis is out of the picture and johnny has gone, um, I think this guy could be the best receiver in the league as early as next year. The best, like one overall. Wow. I could see it. I could see it. Even with Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball to him? Well, that's uh, honestly, that's the only thing that's not, that's like kind of holding him back. And obviously that's a huge part of the equation, but <laughs> as far say, as talent yeah. and, well, I mean, if he is actually was as hurt as bad as he was and he puts up 70 and 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns, then a healthy A.J. Brown is a freak of nature, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's. I'm interested to see with Tennessee because, you know, two of their big two of their big pass catchers are gone. Uh, they brought in Josh Reynolds, who, you know, he flashed a bit for the Rams. Um, I can't remember who they have at tight end, Ferkser or something, Anthony Ferkser, I don't know. But obviously the, the pieces that that offense rotates around are Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry. And what makes the passing game so effective for them is that the, the running game is so effective. So, you know, I don't want to doubt the back-to-back rushing title and Mr. 2K. Uh, I don't want to doubt his production at all. But if, you know, knock on wood, if there's some kind of injury... Or if he slows down Derrick Henry even a little bit, even if he loses 10% of his effectiveness, um, you know, that can really affect the way defenses play and that can really affect the ability of a guy like A.J. Brown to go off the way he does. Now, physically, he is a monster. So if there's an opportunity to get him the ball, he's going to go up and get it and he's going to fight his way through. So, uh, yeah, I like him a lot. I think think that... uh, Finishing number ten next year would be a disappointment, but uh, wow, number one, I'm, I'm, hmm, that's bold. Good for you. <laughs> well, you said ceiling, right? I'm not predicting he's going to be the number one. You said what is the ceiling, and I nope. could see a you, path where he, no, no, you know, obviously, don't, no, yeah, no, exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's still March for another twenty minutes, and I'm making predictions. I like it. Well, <laughs> just wait till it happens, and we're going to send this clip into every every show and every network. Um, right go. on. So uh, yeah, just really quickly a recap our our top ten from uh, our top ten from twenty twenty. Number one, Devonte Adams. Number two, Tyreek. Number three, Diggs. Number four, Calvin Ridley. Number five, Hopkins. Number six, DK. Number seven, Justin Jefferson. Number eight, Adam Thielen. Number nine, Tyler Lockett. And number ten, your future number one overall, AJ Brown. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, before we uh, 
Before we kind of get to the end, I I actually had an interesting idea um, based on something that was not happening in football but happening in basketball this past week. So I wanted to get uh, wanted to get some some feedback from you, I guess, or some insight from you as a uh, as a longtime fantasy manager across a couple of different leagues and a couple of different sports. So uh, yeah, this is this is a little trade deadline talk. We have a trade to announce. And for those of you in the building, you'll be particularly interested. So this past week, the NBA trade deadline passed. And uh, the biggest talk, at least up here in Canada, is not about who did get traded but it's about who didn't right the raptors had kyle lowry you know the face of our franchise the bulldog and uh he's on an expiring contract and most people think he's not going to be back next year the raptors aren't going to uh aren't going to pay what he's going to be looking for as a free agent and it was expected that he was going to be moved like i don't know if you saw um, you know, his press conference the night before the deadline and basically he's saying goodbye to everybody. He's saying goodbye to the organization. He's saying goodbye thanks to the fans. You know, he's kind of teary-eyed. He's, he's saving every moment. Drake calls him while he's in his presser and FaceTimes him on his, uh, on his press conference. And then the next day comes and goes and, you know, he's still on the team. Uh, so Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, they're taking a lot of heat for not moving and not capitalizing on the asset. But, uh, you know, if the offer wasn't there, I kind of get it. You don't want to just scrap a guy for nothing just because you said you're going to get rid of him. So where do you stand on this? Like, obviously we're talking about not in a redraft league and not in a dynasty where you can keep, you know, your whole roster if you want to, but a partial keeper league. So a league like League Extraordinary Gentlemen where you get six keepers or a league where it might be an auction league and, and contract values uh, increase in price every year. If you have a player that you're pretty sure you're not going to keep, Jeff, but you could keep, and if you're not in win now mode, you know that this season's probably not the one for you. Are you just like, are you just trying to sell those extra pieces at all costs? Or if there's a chance that maybe you could hang on to that, would you wait for the right offer and ultimately keep them if it didn't come? Where do you stand on that? Uh, this is really interesting because I don't know. Um, so I don't want to sound super cocky. This is what <laughs> you're 15 or 16 of the league of extraordinary gentlemen. And I've been fortunate enough to, you know, stay competitive every single year, every single year I've been in win now mode until right now, this year I am in a hot mess. I've got no keepers. I got no draft picks. I am in a rebuild. It started. And, uh, I am not sure what I'm going to do. I can't see myself going as aggressively as, you know, some owners in our league where, you know, AJ Brown, for instance, he got traded last year by a team that was in a tank mode for like AJ Brown in a four for a three. So I'm not going to be giving away players like that. Cause it not only is it, I don't like it, but it affects other matchups in the season. And there's, you know, there's other things that uh, come into play, but um, I'm definitely going to be looking to maximize what I can do the following year. And, uh, you know, anybody that is not part of that plan, I'm going to be moving for sure. Um, you know, specifically to Kyle Lowry, it's my response is in Masai, I trust. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they didn't get an offer they liked, so I was surprised he stayed, but uh, I trust them so much. So 
Um, I'm kind of excited to be in this situation and as far as fantasy football and in this rebuild and kind of unfamiliar territory. And, uh, you know, a big part of me is not convinced I'm going to stay there. I'm going to probably try to compete and, and then sell way too much of my future to just barely make the playoffs and then get eliminated first round. But uh, it's, it's, it's a fun spot to be in and it's kind of new territory. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a tough one. I know what you mean. Like it's it's easy to kind of make the moves you need to to stay alive every year. And we've talked about in this league how you can you can feel like your whole season's falling apart and and still pull yourself back from the uh, the claws of defeat. Um, yeah, I think part of it for me is I don't ever want to be that manager who gets looked at like you just gave away that piece to you know to another team. I don't. I don't want to just dump a star player that I may or may not be able to keep or I may or may not want to keep and make someone else, you know, substantially better and not not get value back in return. If somebody wants to make their team better, that's great, but you've got to take the proper steps to make it better. So maybe that's, you know, petty of me, I guess. But, uh, you know, in a case where you you can't keep a player, maybe... Um, maybe then if you know for sure, like in ours, we have the expiring contracts, right? So this past year, if you hadn't been making a run, maybe a guy like Tyreek, you're like, at all costs, I'm going to move him. And obviously people would pay for that. But if there's any chance, you know, if there's uh, like Craig, for all the grief we give him for some of the trades that he made uh, and kind of gave up on his team, but I will give him this. He had a couple of guys that were on, you know, they're coming into the last year of their contract and he wasn't really getting the offers that he wanted. And he said, oh, you know what, I'll see what happens then. I'll just, I'll take my chances with them in the offseason. Um, and I think that that's okay. I think that that's, you know, a way to go sometimes. And and the other thing is you never know what's going to happen. Like, you know, take the Raptors. They may, they may know something that we don't, right? I thought the move was to move on from Kyle and, you know, thanks for all you've done, but let's get something and look to the future. Maybe they know that he's he's willing to sign for a little bit less, or maybe they, you know, whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, it's just it's interesting to get people's uh, insight. You know, if anybody out there is listening and you have a thought on this, uh, whether it's better to move on for a cheaper price or whether you're better to hold on to the asset if you're not getting what you want in return, um, let us know. You know, drop us an email or drop us a voicemail and let us know what you think on this. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, like, it, it has to change, right? Like, some people are, like, they, they go into the season. Like, from this year, I'm basically going into the season not expecting to be very competitive. But, you know, if we get four weeks into it and I've somehow got three wins and some young promise on my roster, you you know, things change. It can – so, it, you know, they say stay fluid and all that. It's pretty true. Until the trade deadline, you're not really out of it until you're eliminated. So, um, yeah, just, uh, I guess, keep your mind open. All right. Uh, sorry, I just yeah, uh, no, got okay. Yeah. Uh, so we were going to get to another Folkomaniacs question of the week here, but before we do, you know, we want to we want to give a little shout out here. The you know our good friend of the show, Tyler, who we had on a little while ago, um, he's been working his tail off for the last few months here as director of photography for a new show that's going to be on TV, and uh, we've got some exciting news. We want to kind of break to the Folkomaniacs and let everybody know that it's actually going to be hitting the screens this weekend. So. Uh, if you're looking for something cool, new, and funny for your kids and yourself, something for the whole family, uh, make sure you check it out on uh, YTV. It's called The Barbarian and the Troll. 
Uh, it's premiering Friday, April 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on YTV here in Canada and Nickelodeon uh, for the listeners down south. So there's no excuse not to watch it. And uh, it's going to be amazing. I'm super excited for this, and I'm super excited for Tyler. And, uh, you know, love to give him the, the plug here and, and do anything we can to help him out. Yeah, absolutely. It looks awesome. The trailer, uh, the trailer you can check out online looks amazing. I'm excited to see it. And yeah, he's been he's been working a lot. I know a lot of people have been working hard on this, and he's been telling us about it. And he's excited, and I'm excited for him. So uh, yeah, good luck this week, and uh, and uh, tune in if you're listening. Check it out on Friday night, and we'll have to get Tyler on in the near future here to talk about the talk about the show and pump it up a little bit for everybody. Anyways, though you you teased it already, but we've got our uh, we've got our question for this week for the Falcomaniacs. With two out, three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. Jeff, as a sports fan, you know that victory is all the sweeter when it erases years of disappointment and grief. So we are asking you, the listeners, what is the biggest heartbreak that you've suffered as a fan? It could be a player that left via free agency. It could be a star from your team being traded. It could be a bad loss, uh, you know, a, a crushing uh, championship being snatched out of your hands, whatever. We want to hear from you. What are those moments that you thought you would never forget as a sports fan for all the wrong reasons? Let us know. Reach out to us with your choice. You can send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com or, as always, you can leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description. We haven't had a voicemail in a little while, so uh, some of you listeners, if you want to get back on, drop us a line. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Please remember, if you like the show, to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, you know, recommend us to your friends, to your family, uh, even to your league mates. I know a lot of times when you find a show that you like, you want to kind of keep it secret, but uh, it would really help us out to get the word out there, get the name out there. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Falcomaniacs. And remember... Set your Falcon lineups.